And we are live and we are back. Let's go. I'm Corey, your host, one app of the Corey and Full of Fat Podcast. And I'm back with the end of year, end of the year episode. I was struggling get, getting this recorded. I was deleting it, not deleting it, messing up. Didn't have myself on the stage. I didn't record this episode, the beginning of it, three separate times. But we're live. We're back with the recap, or should I say the, the wrap up? To get you prepared for your finances for 2024. I told you, Wealth Wednesday is gone. So this isn't technically, it's going to drop on a Wednesday, but this is not a Wealth Wednesday. This is a end of year recap where we are going to go over how to win with money in 2024. So we're going to go for over the updates as far as 401k, the tax brackets, which I cannot wait to look at. I have literally been holding off looking at these tax brackets for y'all for this episode and i've been discussing with my clients and i haven't been like oh i haven't seen them yet and they've sort of like yeah it's not that much some people told me it was a lot i don't know we're gonna go over the roth IRA increases we're gonna go over some other tips and tricks as far as the tax estimator calculator so you can get ahead on your taxes for this year as far as when you file next year in april and also so you can have a tool to use for next year then we're also going to go over a new tool which if you stay to the end of the episode you are going to see and it's going to benefit you substantially when it comes to handling your finances all right but before we get started make sure y'all comment like share and subscribe shout out to the youtube algorithm make sure you leave those rating reviews on the podcast platforms as well my co-host jordan as well as myself as myself as well as myself our information can be found in the description and yes as well as the guest when are they going to show up when is this pinned comment going to show up on the videos as well where you can just have quick access to our socials jordan and stop stalling jay on his socials and his business webpage is finallyfit.live. I am a sideline underscore Corey on my socials. Reach out to Jordan for the fitness information. Reach out to myself for the finance information. If you know me and you want fitness help and you don't want to reach out to Jordan, reach out to me. I'll do it for you and vice versa. If you need finance help, you know, Jordan or me, reach out to Jordan and then he'll reach out to me for you. That's what a lot of people have done. They reach out to Jordan. That's end up Jordan's calling me. I didn't even know you could do a two-way FaceTime talk or three, three-way. I was on a three-way or four-way. I see three numbers calling me, Jordan, and three numbers I didn't have to say, yeah, my friend need help finding something. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, I was in I was in the tub and everything. I was like, well, I gotta get out of the shower. And I was in the shower, I was in the bathtub. I was relaxing. I was taking my Epsom salt bath and all this type of stuff. And I said, no, I'm like, this must be an emergency. Jordan's calling me at 10 p.m. and there's two other numbers on here, and it's a FaceTime. They just had a friend who needs some help with their finances. That's how dedica- dedicated I am to this. But and again, for Jordan, his business page, finallyfit.live, as far as his website, 5.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday and Wednesday for the virtual training sessions. All right, let's get into it, y'all. I'm going to do my best not to make sure this is too long of an episode. I made sure I watched the episode last year on how to win with money in 2023 so that when I do this episode, how to win with money in 2024, I make sure I go over the same, at least definitely the same stuff. And make sure that what I went over last year is still relevant to now. And it is. So we got one more extra thing and it shouldn't take as long this time because in theory, I should be getting better at doing these recordings. All right. Again, student loans. We're still waiting on student loans. Uh, Actually, no. The next episode. And it's only right. It's only right that this next episode as far as and I'll mention it what the new title will be when it drops. You'll see it. We're going to talk about student loans on the next episode. All right. Let's get started, y'all. Are your finances ready for 2024? And actually, no, before I get started, let me make sure there hasn't been an update on the average car payment yet. Well, we got bank rate. Still 729 for new, still 528 for use. All right, y'all, let's get started. First place, I watched the last episode, not the last episode, but the last year's episode for this. 
And the IRS website wasn't that great to share because they don't have as many like tables to make it easier to display the information on the screen share. So we're going to go to Nerd Wallet for some of these articles so it can just display better from a visual standpoint. If I can remember how to share the screen, you guys will see the first thing. But the first thing we're going over is the tax brackets. It is something that is very important. On the on last year's episode, I talked about, hey, for those of you who are living paycheck to paycheck, you can play now. You have no money at all. You're struggling. Like, you I mean, you really need $10. When the tax brackets get raised, and again, 2023, 2024, tax brackets and federal income tax rates. Again, if you want to see your state tax bracket changes, there are 51 places. Well, no, because every was it eight states or nine states that don't tax, but there's over 40 places. I'm not going through those. Look up your particular state that you live in to see what the tax brackets are for them. We're just doing the federal rates. All right. There are seven federal income tax brackets for 2023 and 2024. Your tax rate is determined by your income and tax filing status. This is going to be by Sabrina Paris and Tina Orm and reviewed by Lee or Leah Lee Han or Han. It's updated December 6, 2023. And this information comes out. Ooh, this might come out like around October, but I don't understand no knock, but I wouldn't give you all this information in October because with October, we still have the last quarter of the year to do. Like we still got October, November, and December to execute for this year as far as 2023. I don't want to give you all next year's numbers three months out. All right. I mean, we give it to you, you know, a week or so a week or so before, so you can actually make use of it. What you what do these tax brackets do for you in October? Nothing. All right, here we go. Seven federal tax rates. Again, the tax rates aren't changes as far as the percentage. 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, and 37. By the way, that 37%, and we're going to get to this. When you hear people say, you know, you got to pay 50% tax if you live in California, that's because California's tax rate is like 15%, something unreal. But, you know, 15 plus 37 is 52. All right. Here we go. U.S. federal tax rates will remain the same until 2025 as a result of tax cuts and job acts of 2017. But the income thresholds that inform the tax brackets are generally adjusted each year to reflect the rate of inflation. All right. These adjustments can help prevent taxpayers from ending up in a higher tax bracket as their cost of living rises, often called bracket creeps, not lifestyle creep, but bracket creep. The tax bracket adjustments can also lower taxes for those whose compensation has not quite kept up with inflation. Let's see what these brackets are. Here we go. This is the 2023 tax brackets. Federal income rates. Wait, hold on. Am I tripping? This is last year. Okay, there we go. So this is this is last year, meaning this is this year's tax brackets. All right. Zero to 11,000, single, zero to 22,000, essentially doubled for married, filing joint compared to single up until the 22 to 35. Jesus. And this is why I said this on here, but one of the reasons the black community is struggling, and this is not saying to do this, but when you look at these tax brackets, you pay half, you pay. I don't know if it's half. I need to stop saying it's half because I need to run the math on it. But you see that for eleven thousand, from eleven thousand and one dollar to twenty-two thousand dollars, if you're married, you're still going to pay ten percent. Versus, if you're single, you're going to pay twelve percent, right? So the tax bracket ranges. There we go. I need to stop saying half. It doubles. The tax bracket range for married filing joint is double that of single people per range for the first five ranges up into thirty-two thousand, thirty-two percent which is $462,000, essentially half a million, not half a million, talking about taxes here, 
But let me double check that because I don't really know what 23, 250, but it looks like it. Yes, the first five, which again, almost all of America is, is in the first five tax brackets. Most Americans are not in 35 or 30%, 37% tax bracket. All right. And again, the one thing too with the single tax bracket, it just scales so quick. If you make $100,000, you're in the 24% tax bracket and you're single. That's crazy. That's insane. But all right, that's last year. Let's get into this year's tax rates. Okay, they're right. That wasn't that much. Only $600 increase. So yeah, zero to 11. Is that double? Yeah, it is double. So yeah, zero to 11,600. Yeah, 11,601 to 47,000. 47,000 to 100,000. The 22% tax bracket is finally at 100K, which means the 22% tax bracket for married filing joint is going to be at 200K. My goodness, 24% tax bracket is 100 to 191 for single, 200 to 1 to 383 for married, 191 to 243 for single, 383 to 487 for married filing joint. That's 32%. 35% is 243 to 609. My, that 35% tax bracket is, is so wide for single people. So There's this almost 400 or a little over $350,000 in range right there. And then for married people, it's 487 to 731. My goodness. And then 37% is 609,000 for single. And then 731,000 for married filing joint. We're probably, when we get out of this decade, as far as 2020s, we'll probably be at a million. My guess is when we get, if not, no late, if not in this decade, depending on what inflation is, obviously, we are probably going to see the 37% tax bracket slash the 35% tax bracket being a million dollars for married filing joint. That's crazy. All right. When I say a million dollars, it'll be a range. Like 35% will be, you know, 700,000, 731,000 to a million, 1.1 million. And 37% is 1.1 million above. But we got, obviously, as I said, the, um, where's it at? The tax, the act that Trump did, the tax cuts and job acts of 2017 that um, was put in place when Trump was in office we are going to see, we possibly will see these ranges change in 2025. So not next, not, not next year, but the year. So this is the last year that it's expected these rates to be the same as far as these percentages. But I mean, I don't know. We'll figure out when it gets there. Now, as far as the other ones, we got married filing separately and head of household. In short, either if you're married, either you're married filing joint from a federal standpoint or you're not. All right. Married filing separately pays the same amount of taxes as mar- as a single person. Now, to be very clear, if you're married filing separately, that does not mean that you are separated. Remember, this is a tax designation. This has nothing to do with whether or not you're in the process of actually being separated or, you know, you've gotten um, or you're about to be divorced. Thus, you know, you're probably being separated, but, you know, you, you, your finances are separated. This is a tax designation. Sometimes people will file married filing separate. Because one spouse, let's say, has significant medical expenses that year. From a tax standpoint, it will benefit them overall when it comes to filing their taxes for them to do married filing separately. I wouldn't say rarely, but most times often, no, more than likely you're going to do married filing jointly if you're married. You do not have to be separated to do married filing separately. Now, I believe, just, you know, based off a naming convention, married filing separately they use the word separate because if you're in a situation where you're going to get divorced, 
you need to be in a married filing separate situation because if you are married filing jointly on your W-4 while you're in the process of getting divorced, let's say you you're getting divorced in the next, you guys are hearing this on the 27th, so next three days before the new year ends. So in 2023, you're going to get divorced. But this whole year, you've had your W-4 set up as you being married, filing jointly. That's how you've been getting taxed. And in short, as I said, these tax brackets are double for the first five tax brackets for people who are married, filing joint compared to single people or married, filing separately as far as the tax filing status. Well, when you go to file your taxes and they're going to ask you, what your, you know, what your marital status was at the end of the year. They always ask you on December 31st, 2023, they ask you on December, uh, December 31st, what was your marital status? You'll have to file single because you were divorced before the year was over with. However, you've been paying taxes at this married filing jointly rate. And then so they're going to come back and say, oh, no, you're supposed to have been filing at, at the single rate. And then you got to deal with that tax situation, obviously. You can still get a refund. Doesn't mean you're going to owe money because mm -hmm. there are various situations with people taxes. But as you can see, the married filing separate rate. Because if you get divorced, you're likely going to file single, right? So you can see the rates being identical, exactly the same. A lot of people misuse the word "same." They change once you get to thir the thirty-five percent tax bracket range. The cap for married filing separately is. 346,000 and then it's 346,000 and up at the 37% range. Also, before I get started, I should have did this. Don't sue me, sue your mama. This is for entertainment purposes only. Myself, no Jordan, or fitness or finance professionals. Anything you hear on here is for entertainment purposes only. And you need to seek a professional and do your own research before taking any action. All right. I am not a CPA, a CFP, anything like that. This is for entertainment purposes only. Don't sue me. Please, please sue your mama. All right. And then for last but not least, head a household, head a household, head a household. I say it like that. Head a household is sort of like the Goldilocks as far as better than single or married filing separately, but it's not as good as married filing joint. But really, head of household only benefits you for the, the less amount of the, the, the lower your income is. The more money you make and once you get to the, what is that, 10, 12, 22, 24. Once you get to the, once you get to the 24% tax bracket, which is $95,000, all right. Head a household, you're going to be taxed as if you were single, essentially. All right. So you get a benefit for, you know, 24 percent bracketing it down. Excuse me, the 22 percent tax bracketing it down. It's essentially the same once you get the 24 percent and up. It's going to be the same as you file in single. So for those of you file had a household and you originally file in single, but let's say you have extremely high income and you feel like you're not seeing that much as far from a tax standpoint, it's because, yeah, you might make $200,000, $250,000 and you're a single parent. And yeah, most of that money is being taxed at the single rate. It's only the first $95,000. So you got, you know, well over $100,000 being taxed as if you were single. All right. So that's one thing to pay attention to. All right, y'all. But let me look at this so I can see. Let's see where I'm at. See, majority of my wife's income is not taxed, so we get due to her disability income. That's not bad. What was that last year? 89 to 190. Oh, wait, no. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong thing. No. I'm terrible, y'all. I was looking at the wrong thing. The numbers only went up a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars. It's not a big deal. Yes, yeah, my bad. It's $100,000 for um, head of household. All right. Let's see. We got 
Okay. Look, I'll, t- I'll I'll take any extra money. I'll see, I'll see you know when they when they when they um when I get my first check next year. Also, too, as we switch over to the next article, when it comes to your taxes, everybody's state taxes are different. I can only speak on Maryland state taxes where I live at. But from a federal standpoint, make sure your W-4 is updated based off what your tax tax filing status is, if you're getting divorced. And then if you have children, make sure your dependent amount, make sure your allowances amount. That's what it's, we call it in Maryland or your exemptions, whatever it's called. If you do state taxes, make sure that's updated based off of your actual situation. So you are taking home the correct amount of money. All right. And then we're going to get into a way where you can actually test that towards the end of the episode. Actually, the end of the episode. All right. Next, we have, oh, no. Here we go. We got the 401k and we have the limits in the Roth IRA, or really the IRA, traditional and IRA limit increases. All right. 401k is $23,000. I'm almost at $2,000 a month that you can put into your 401k. All right. And then IRA increases to 7,000. That's how you know inflation was pretty decent this year because we went from 6,000 to 6,500 to 7,000 now in the last two years. All right. How's it keep doing this? All right. Here we go. Last year was 22,500, as we see here. And then now we're looking at also uh, issue technical guidance regarding all cost of living adjustments. Okay, cool. Here we go. We got 2024 changes. My watch, going off. my watch goes off. And then when I try to figure out why it went off, I can't find it. Anyways, hey, 401k, 403bs. And this is if you were to do a Roth or a traditional as far as your 401k contributions and most 457 plans, as well as all federal government's thrift saving plans, if you work for the actual federal government military, are being increased to $23,000 from $22,500. Now, again, this contribution limit is how much money you can put in. This has nothing to do with what your employer contributes. All right. So this is strictly how much money you can put in for next year. The limit on annual contributions for IRAs is going to $7,000. Yes, I still got this janky mouse. I'm going to get a new mouse next year, y'all, I swear. All right. IRA catch-up contribution contribution limit is going to be still 50. And okay, it was amended in the SECURE Act. We did an episode on that to include annual cost of living adjustment, but remains at $1,000. So still over 2024, you can only put an extra $1,000 in. So if you're over 50 years old, you can now put in $8,000 versus last year. You can only put in $7,500 because the limit increase for the IRAs is going from 6500 to 7000 next year. <clears throat> and also too, if you want to know if you're behind on retirement, well there's something, you know, if you're behind, what do you want to do? You know, you want to catch up, right? To whatever, you know, you're trying to reach. The government says at 50 years old, that's when you need to make sure you are on pace wherever you're trying to hit from a retirement standpoint. So if you're in a situation where you're getting close to your 50s, which most people, if anybody listening to this is not, shout out to if you are, if you're over 50, that is the age that you need to say, okay, when I get in my late 40s, mid to late 40s, I need to make sure by the time I'm at 50, I'm on pace. And if not, I do have the ability to make catch-up contributions. All right. And where's the um, where's the 401k contribution? Okay, here we go. So there, there's this larger. There, ooh, 7,500 for 2024. So if you're 50 and older, the catch-up contribution for a 401k or 403b, 457, whatever you have from a work retirement standpoint, is going to be 7,500. So that's going to be $30,500 you can put into your 401k if you're over 50. And also, too, you do not have to be, quote-unquote, behind. There's no definition of being behind your retirement. Once you hit 50 for your IRA or for, and or for your 401k, you can put in this extra 
contribution limit money. And also too, the great benefit is this is the year that you turn 50. You do not have to be 50. So for those of you who are born, right, when this drops, you know, December 31st, you do not have to wait to your actual birthday. It's just your birth year. All right. So for 50, that's going to be people born in 1974. So if you're born in 1974 or later, you will be able to hit these catch up contribution limits. IRA is a thousand still. And then for the 401k, it's going to be seventy five hundred dollars. All right. And then for those of you who are in a simple uh, plan, simple IRA plan, the catch up contribution limit is going to be thirty five hundred dollars. Simple IRA is the same thing as a not, not the same thing, but it's on the same lines as far as a 401k or 403b employer retirement uh, based account. But it's as simple as an acronym, as you can see for those watching, it's all caps um, on YouTube. Um, it, it's essentially just viewed as an employer account. That's usually for small businesses um, that have that, not a lot of employees. The income ranges for determining eligibility to make deductible contributions to individual IRA. Okay, my goodness, come on. They all increase. So when we talked about backdoor contributions, you have to, that is when you make too much money to directly contribute into a Roth IRA. So you have to, if you still want to have this Roth money, you have to contribute to a traditional IRA, pay the taxes right then and there once you actually decide to roll it over or backdoor it into a Roth IRA. Backdoor is not like a tax term. It's just what they call this process of being able to put money still into a Roth IRA when you make too much money from a tax standpoint. And again, this tax um, this amount of money you make is based off of your AGI or adjusted gross income. You need to, that is documented on your um, 1031, whatever that form is called, your final tax form. But obviously work with a tax professional to figure out exactly what your number is. And if you need to do this backdoor method for those of you contributing to your Roth IRA, but you're over these limits. All right. If during the year, either of the taxpayer or the taxpayer spouses, again, real quick note, for those of you who are married, filing joint, this, your others, if one spouse does not work, they can still have a Roth IRA or an IRA. It's viewed as a spousal IRA because since you're married, filing joint, you have an income, a taxable income, because you are joint on that tax return for the other spouse that works. So that's technically your income as well from a tax standpoint. And that allows you to have Roth IRA and your other spouse is able to make contributions into it because that's technically your money as well. All right. Again, another benefit for being married. All right. Uh, what's covered? Okay. Retirement work plan. The deduction may be reduced. Okay. Phased out until it's eliminated. Okay. This far as I'm um, doing the backdoor method and being able to contribute into an IRA. For traditional IRA, there's no contribution limit. Roth IRAs have contribution limits. Traditional IRAs have contra uh, income limits due to um, income limits that limit you to deduct, the, that limit your ability, tongue tied, limit your ability to deduct your contributions from your taxes when you file. So you usually put that money in. If not majority of the time, you're going to put it in post-tax for our tr traditional IRA. And then when you file the following year, they're going to ask you, did you make any traditional IRA contributions? And based off of your income, they'll let you know whether or not you'll actually be able to deduct those contributions from your taxes because traditional money, even, even though it's put in post-tax, you don't get taxed on it until you pull it out versus a Roth, that money is taxed when you put it in. And when you take it out over 59 and a half as the law is currently set up, you do not pay any taxes on it. All right. For single taxpayers, we're seeing here, wait, let me finish this. 
If neither the taxpayer nor the spouse is covered by a retirement plan at work, the phase out. Okay. They're saying the phase out plans don't apply if you're not recover if you're not covered by um, a retirement plan at work. Interesting. Ooh. Okay, for single taxpayers covered by a workplace retirement plan, we're looking at phase out ranges increase to between seventy seven thousand and eighty seven thousand dollars. Up from 73, okay, 83, married couples filing joint if the spouse making the IRA contributions covered by, okay, retirement plan, 123 to 143. That's a nice range, 123 to 143, up from 116 to 136. For an IRA contributor who is not covered by a workplace retirement plan and is married to someone who is covered, the phase-out range is increased between to between 230 and 240, up between 218 and 228. If you're married, fast if you're married, filing joint. If you're married, filing separately, and you're recovered, uh, you're covered by a workplace retirement plan. The phase out range is not subject to the an- to an annual cost of living adjustment, and remains between zero and ten dollars. So, married filing separately, I would say, is probably the worst tax filing status. It's, pro- it's probably the worst one. Okay, that's traditional. The income phase out range for taxpayers making contributions to a Roth IRA is increased to between 146 and 161 for single. So if you're single, again, this is based off your adjusted gross income. That doesn't mean you make 161, so you can't put any money into the Roth IRA. That's based off your gross. You have to figure out your adjusted gross income, and that's what this number is talking about here. 146 to 161 for single people, and had a, had a household as up from 138 to 153 last year. So that's a, was that a six, um, wait, $8,000 increase. And then for married filing joint, phase out range is 230 to 240,000. My goodness. Up from 218 to 228. That's 12,000. Look, that's, that's $12,000 that's $12, increase. That's a nice, that's a nice bump. And it makes sense for the ranges to have this type of increase. Obviously, how much money you can put in has increased over the last couple of years. So you need to make more money to hit, you know, in theory, right, to hit these um, new contribution limits. All right. The phase out range for married individual filing a separate return who makes contribution to a Roth IRA is not subject to an annual cost of living adjustment and remains at zero to 10,000. Do not do married filing jointly if you can avoid it. All right. Uh, income limit for savers credit. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Additional changes made to the SECURE Act. By the way, for the simple retirement accounts, it's increased from 16,000 to 15,500. Here we go about the SECURE Act. Limitation of pre- on premiums paid with respect to a qualifying longevity annuity contract, 200K for 2024. Okay, it remains at 200K. Added adjustment of the deductible limit on charitable donations, increased 105,000, 100,000. Added a deductible limit for a one-time election to treat a distribution from an individual retirement account made directly by the trustee to split interest entity, to a split interest entity. Um, increase to 53,000, 50,000. All right. And I think I got one now. I wanted to do this because I didn't see that. Yeah. I didn't see that was on here. All right. Now, up next, we got the gift tax limit. All right. Good. We're making good time. We got the gift tax limit. The gift tax limit. And to go over the diff, gift tax, and then shout out to the first time listeners. This essentially means you can gift someone money. And if it is up to this number, and you do not have to tell the IRS that you did this, and you don't have to pay taxes on it. 
If you gift over this amount, so anything over for 2024 is $18,000 is the limit. So if you gift one individual $18,000 and a penny, you need to let the IRS know. And by the way, this is the IRS's rule or law. They require you to tell them that you gifted this money. All right. Now, again, this is not for the recipient. Let me do this. Yeah, the recipient does not report this. The, the gifter reports this money. All right, I'm going to share the screen real quick. If you received a gift, you do not need to report on your taxes. A gift occurs when you give property like money without expecting anything in return. Expecting, oh, let me, let me, let me not say all I was going to say, but what if you expected something in return? Anyways, all right. $18,000. Now, again, this is on an individual basis. So that's what's always interesting to look at, you know, these tax bracket situations. People are always putting their damn animals on ring. Lost dog, all these type of things. Like nobody, nobody cares about these damn animals. Anyways, this is on a individual basis in the sense of if you are married, your gift tax limit is going to actually be double this. So you're, you can gift someone $18,000. You can gift your child $18,000. And the other parent can gift them $18,000, which would be $36,000. And the great thing about this is this is on a yearly basis. So if you want to gift your child $17,000 and the other parent wants to gift them $17,000, when you hear this in 2023, you can turn around on January 1st, technically January 2nd, because, you know, stuff is closed on the first. The banks are closed. You can gift them another $18,000 each. So within you know a span of a week, right, you can give them $34,000 plus another $36,000. So you can give them $70,000. Not saying you can do this or you should do this, just as far as just wanted to state what this allows you to do. This is on a per person basis. All right. And again, if you gift over $18,000 to one person, you are required to file this on your taxes as far as this would be when you file in 2025. And also as well, this is not a total amount. This is on a per person basis. So you can gift, if you have two children, you can gift them each $18,000. It's not your total amount that you can gift in this year, 2024 is $18,000. This is on a per person basis per person. All right. But when we come up here, if you do gift over that amount, we got the estate. Um, what is this actually called? The exclusion amount. So in short, this is, let me see that on here. I'm just trying to figure out exactly what this is called. This is a state exemption. So essentially your estate is $13 billion, $13.6 million. This is, um, let's see what we find on here. If you gift over the $18,000, you can choose to take it from your um, estate, estate exemption. Now, the one thing to note about this is these numbers can change. So you see this big jump here from 2017 to 2018. When President Trump was in office, he had changed this amount. So when President Obama was in office, it was this $5 million range. President Trump got into office and now it's that 11.1 million range and all the way up to 13.6 million range. All right. So that's something to notate as well. Up next, we're going to talk about the, the, if there's ever a question of what is the best investment account or the best account out there or an account that has three tax benefits, it's going to be the HSA. All right. The HSA is a gold, golden, golden goose. All right. New limits for HSA. If your individual is based off again, HSA is a health savings account. You are required to have a high deductible 
plan either through your employer or through um, another healthcare provider. If your plan does, is not high deductible, you will not be able to access an HSA. The great thing about an HSA is, depending on how it's set up, they usually have the amount of money you need to have in the HSA. But once you have over that amount, say it's $1,000, you can invest anything over there, over that amount. So let's say you end up want to put $2,000 in your HSA in 2024, you can invest that $1,000. So you don't have to put the $2,000 in your account. A 1000 of it can be invested. And the great thing about that is, that thousand dollars can usually be invested in anything. When I had one, I had I had some of my stuff and um some of my money in Apple. You can then take that money, it's gonna grow tax-free while in that investment account, because it's part of your HSA. You can take that money that is growing in the stock market and then sell it and use it for the healthcare um, expenses that the IRS notates that can be used by an HSA in which you will not pay any taxes on. So the HSA will allow you to pay for co-pays, whatever it is, without having to pay taxes on it. You get a pre-tax deduction when you contribute it. And if it's not through your employer and you go through a marketplace type healthcare plan, when you file your taxes, you'll put it on there that you get that you did an HSA and they'll deduct it from your taxes then. But the benefit of it being through your employer is that you won't have to pay FICA tax. You won't pay any taxes on it at all. When you do it through something like a marketplace, you'll still pay your FICA taxes on it. So you just get the federal tax deduction from your income standpoint. Regardless, you will be able to have this money deducted from your taxes. It can grow tax free and you can spend it on qualified medical expenses and not have to pay any taxes on it. Then once you hit retirement age 65, it essentially turns into a traditional IRA as well. So the HSA is insane. You do have have, uh, have to have the high deductible plan that qualifies for it. Individual amount is 41,000, 41,000, goodness, $4,150. And then for family is going to be $8,300. So if you're on a family plan and everybody is extremely healthy. You got $8,300 as well. So just think about this. You're doing your Roth or your IRA, whatever it is, that's 7,000 plus your 401k. That's 23,000 plus the family plan at $8,300. Come on, y'all. Yeah. With the best almost over $45,000. stuff people don't want to talk about. Now, again, the disclaimer with the HSA and even FSA, you choose the health plan that is best for you and your family if um, your family is going to be on your parent, uh, spouse, children, whatever it is. And then if that plan that you choose so happens to have an HSA and or an FSA attached to it, then you make use of it. But don't be like, oh, this plan has an HSA. I want to make use of it. And then you go to the doctor a lot. So you likely don't want to choose that high deductible plan. You likely want to choose the one where it um it costs more money per month because usually the um, high deductible plans that have HSA attached to them they're the cheapest as far as the monthly premium that you pay, but it has the higher deductible, so you're paying more out of pocket when you go to the doctor. But again, this is for extremely healthy people, so you don't go to the doctor often, like myself. Mm-hmm. Only time I go to the doctor is to get my physical once a year, right? So I just pay for that. It's like twenty five dollars. I don't know what the hell it is, but that's all I pay. Now, my last employer at HSA, my current employer, do not have an HSA, but it's all good. I love my current job. So it's all good there. All right. Again, $4,150 for individual and $8,300 for family. It's, it's double essentially for families. Um, minimum deductible for qualifying high deductible health plans this is what your high deductible needs to be when you look at it for your employer. If it's not $1,600 for single, that's the lowest it needs to be. Or thirty-two hundred for married again, double. 
um, you won't be able to get an HSA, and it also the max out-of-pocket expenses for the high deductible health plan. If you're single, $8,050, then again, double for Mary, $16,100. All right. Here we go. Up next, so we fly, we flying through this one. What am I at? I'm under 30 minutes. I'm right there. Okay, I'm at 30. Am I, un, am I under 30 minutes? No, you're at 36, Corey. It's okay. We got three more, including this tab. We're going to look at the FSAs as well. Went up $150. So if you do an FSA, you can contribute $3,200. All right, now, it's, I believe still this year, FSA and HSA, they have the same qualified expenses. All right. And also as well, you... You cannot contribute to an FSA and HSA at the same time. The great thing about an HSA, which I should have mentioned, is HSA stays with you forever. So I still have my HSA, my health savings accounts with Fidelity now. I just cannot make contributions to it because I'm not on uh, my um, the healthcare plan that I have does not qualify me for an HSA. All right. So you do not lose your HSA. Your HSA is a health savings account. It's essentially a bank account that you put money in for healthcare expenses and you can use it on qualified medical expenses and not pay any taxes on it. Just make it short. FSA is the same thing. The difference with FSA versus HSA, which is why the HSA is usually viewed as the better one. HSA, that money stays in there forever. So let's just say the limit for this year is $4,100. By this year, I mean 2024, you put that money in and then the end of the year comes or your plan year ends and you're like, dang, I got you know $4,000 in here and I haven't used any of it. It's about to go away. Nope. HSA, it just continues to roll over and roll over and roll over. And again, that's why I talked about the ability to invest inside of it. All right. My previous job, I just had to have $1,000 in there and my employer contributed $500, I believe. Yeah, my employer contributed $500. I was already at 1000 from doing my contributions before they did that. But on top of that, my employer put $500 in there. That was another $500 I was able to invest along with the employer match that they did as well. So again, things you can take advantage of. But for an FSA, the money does go away. So if you got that $3,200 in there for the max, you have to use it by a certain period of time or else it is gone. All right. So an FSA, you have to do better planning. All right. Long story short. All right. Well, here we go. So there's a carryover. Carryover limit is going to be $640 for unused amounts in 2023. And in 2020. The max, okay, so the max you can carry over from 2023 to 2024 is $610 for your FSA, but in 2024 or 2025, that carryover limit is going to be $640, all right? Up next, second to last, last but not least, we went over this last time. No, this is not what I'm talking about, which y'all can make use of to really help with your finances. We're going to talk about the tax. Where's the calculator at? Not I'm not, okay, here we go. Not I'm not on the tax withholding calculator. Here's the tax withholding calculator. You can use this. And by the way, I believe once the year switches over to 2024, this calculator is going to be doing 2024 taxes. So maybe this is something I should drop early in the year. But I talk about it. I talked about it last year, too. This will allow you to, in short, predict. It's not it's not 100 percent. But see if you're going to oh, get a refund so you can get ahead of the game as far as what you think your tax situation is going to look like when you file in 2024. You'll just need your latest W-2s. Most of us have gotten paid already. The last time for this year. So, you gotta do is look at your W 2s, look at your gross income, put everything in as far as your dependents, things of that nature, your tax filing status, any income you might have made on the side for those of you got side hustles, businesses, things like that, and put all this information to the calculator. And this is again the IRS on the official irs.gov website. This calculator will give you your results, and obviously, it's gonna give you an estimate of whether or not you're owe or get a refund. So, obviously, for those of you who may be thinking you're gonna owe, at least you'll be able to get 
a head start on what you might owe when you file in 2024. All right. Last but not least, for those of you waiting in an episode, ADP salary paycheck calculator. This is something that I use. I tell my clients to use. It's something I use myself. If you think in 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 um, in, in, in combination with the tax withholding calculator, your tax um, estimator calculator that I just showed on the IRS website, you may need to update your W four from a federal and and or a state standpoint, depending if you file um, if you have to pay state taxes and see what you actually will bring home. So this will allow you to determine your pay frequency. Excuse me, how much you get paid if you work overtime, all these different things, your last pay date. You'll come here, you'll put your federal taxes in, you'll put your dependent amount, all these various things that your job has from information standpoint, which that then tells them how much you need to pay in taxes, which the IRS has. And that's how they determine whether or not you owe get a refund. And then you'll be able to see how much you're going to take home. And this is if you live in Maryland, this is a penny off. My mine is a penny. I'm not, I'm not gonna put my income in here, but let's just say you're somebody who get makes, you know, everybody said they get in the bag, right? But let's just say a thousand dollars, then not per year, goodness gracious. So you can a thousand dollars per pay period, right? So you're making fifty-two thousand dollars a year. They're saying every week gonna bring home eight hundred and thirty-nine dollars and sixty-nine cents. But that's assuming your tax status is single or married filing separate, right? You can update it to married filing joint again. You got eight hundred and seventy-five dollars if you're married filing joint, then you can come in here. You can put in your state taxes, whatever state you live in. You can come here as well for the federal tax. I skipped over this. You can put your dependent amount. So let's say you have one kid, you know, they're 10 years old. So you get 2000 right there. Again, another, some more money you're taking home. All these various things. You can come here and put your benefits in as well. Again, this is based off of your pay cycle here. So if you get paid, let's look at your most recent paycheck and put that in here and then make sure your earnings, um, earnings tab is updated as far as your pay frequency. Well, there's information in here. Let's say you pay. I'll say what is fifty dollars not enough. You can pay more than that if you got a kid. Let's just say you pay one hundred twenty-five dollars for medical. Actually, no, it's per pay period. Let's say you pay sixty dollars for medical. Let's say your dental is five dollars. Let's say you're paying, and this is per week. Let's say you're paying fifty cent. Okay, and let's say you got an HSA and you're put in every pay period. You're gonna put uh, you're gonna put um twenty-five dollars in there as well. Then you got a four hundred one k, and you're gonna be putting five percent in there so you can get up to a match. All right. So you're going to be taking a little under $800 a week. All right. This is for an example. All right. But that's it, y'all. Locked and loaded. End of the episode. Make sure you comment, like, share, and subscribe. Shout out to the YouTube algorithm. Make sure you leave those rating reviews on the podcast platforms as well. My coach, join information, stops on J. Socials, business webpage, finallyfit.live, where you can sign up for the 5.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Monday and Wednesday virtual training sessions. Myself, Silent or Corey on socials. You can reach out to me for financial coaching information. All right. Again, make sure you're planning ahead of time. For those of you living paycheck to paycheck, you'll get some more money in January. It is what it is. Tax brackets did increase. Not a lot. My client was right. When I talked to them. I will let them know they were right. Not that big of an increase, but it's better than nothing. If you bear, if you don't have any money, the, the government's going to give you some more money with these tax bracket increases. All right. And then for those of you who get a pay raise at the beginning of the year in your first check and you think, hey, I didn't get that much money. Well, it might be due to you might be going to a new tax bracket. And so you're getting taxed more. OK, these taxes are taken out across the whole year. So you might have went up to the 24 percent tax bracket. You might have went from the 12 to the 22. Right. Or 24 to 32. 
and you don't see that money because you're being taxed more. All right. But then that's why we went over the HSA tax deduction, IRA, if you should do the traditional route tax deduction, 401k, if you do the traditional route, 403b, whatever it is, tax deduction. All right. FSA tax deduction. All right. That's it, y'all. Again, this is not financial information. This is entertainment purposes only. Do your own research. Don't sue me. See your mama. But all right, y'all, that's it. Locked and loaded. Remember to save more and say less. Keep making better your best. And I'll catch y'all in the next one. If I can end the episode. And then the next one.